Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, NPR. With 15.8 million monthly users, NPR is the number one podcast publisher in America. But numbers only take you so far. Stay tuned to find out how NPR sponsorship drives connection for brands. Beneath the doom and gloom of media, and there is plenty of that, believe me, there are bright spots. One quote-unquote legacy media company having a very good year is Bloomberg Media, which is on track to top 15% in revenue growth this year, despite declines in print, radio, and TV. Bloomberg has also spun out an ambitious social video venture, TikTok, which this week's guest, Bloomberg Media CEO Justin Smith, says is already profitable. I'm Brian Marcy, and this is the Digiday Podcast. On today's episode, I speak with Justin about Bloomberg's big bets on video, subscriptions, and an ambitious new event with a Davos competitor called the New Economy Forum that Bloomberg is hosting in Singapore in November. Looking ahead to 2019, Justin also talks about why a big priority for Bloomberg Media is consolidating its latest initiatives versus spinning up new ones. Justin, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Always good to be here. Okay, I want to get into the fundamentals of the business, but I want to start with the the giant story that Bloomberg um, broke, um, the big hack, uh, which is about Chinese hacking into U.S. computer networks. Um, it's a big story that is everywhere, and it's it's somewhat controversial because the, the Amazon and Apple issued unusually strong denials that now the Department of Homeland Security is echoing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Standing by the story? Of course. Um, we, I mean, listen, I think uh, readers of, of Bloomberg journalism and people familiar with our journalistic organization, our newsroom, our editor-in-chief, John Micklethwaite, I think we'll, we'll know um, that, you know, we are, uh, have some of the most rigorous, uh, intense um, uh, sort of, widespread kind of standards and practices for you know for for uh for examining our our journalism and our sources mm -hmm. um you know, like and that, and that comes that comes from the history of bloomberg news as a it's kind of a data-driven newsroom where because you know the original genesis of bloomberg news was creating content around uh that that, that emanated from from data to a large extent market data that actually, or, or data from companies that we would then reveal and turn into journalism, which would in turn move markets, which was a, a key, mm -hmm. key benefit of actually acquiring a Bloomberg terminal was that you had access to market moving journalism that was data driven, that would give you an advantage as a Bloomberg terminal user uh, in, you know, as an investor. And so, so the, the, the tradition of Bloomberg news goes back to that. You can't, you know, when, when, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars are changing hands or on an investment, you have to have right. very, very buttoned down procedures and standards for how you... So does something like this come to your uh, level before it goes out? You know, we... Um, I mean, this is a giant story that took a long time. Like, it, this wasn't it, just a quick break that, that goes up on the terminal. This story took a year. Um, you know, we have um, 17 uh, sources... Uh, that we've spoken with across many of the different actors and players in the story. Um, there have been layer after layer of editorial oversight, uh, working with the two investigative journalists who've been working on it for a year. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we practice journalism, I think, um, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in quite a, um, an independent manner where the business side is actually walled off from the content and walled off from, uh, from, from, uh, the editorial process, which is completely right. So a story like this actually will live in the editorial realm until it's, until it's close to publication and a story obviously that has some, um, you know, sig- significant uh, kind of global ramifications and and other issues tied to it. Um, it, it will be it will be reviewed by the um, by 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 management and, mm-hmm. and other parts of the just to as a as a as more of a process uh, perspective, but not from an editorial perspective. The edit- right. editorial is totally independent. Okay, so want to get into we're into the fourth quarter now. Fourth quarter is is everyone's favorite time in media. Um, Going to be a good year. You know, um, never like to talk about a year before the quarter's, <laughs> the year's over. But it's uh, mostly baked <laughs> at this point. It is, yes. I was just looking at our, our final September revenue numbers what in, were they? in October. Um, they're looking strong. You know, we, uh, Bloomberg Media is a very large global multi-platform business and financial media company. Um, you know, we, interestingly, you know, we, we, we are one of the, the few, if not the only, global media company in our space that actually operates across six different platforms, um, mm-hmm. a combination of traditional media platforms and that a good or new a bad media thing? platforms. We see it as a critical advantage. We see it as a critical differentiator, um, both on the consumer front in terms of being able to surround your target audience at various times during their media consumption sort of uh, mm-hmm. daily habits, you know, so if you, you listen to radio in the morning when you're driving into work, you'll click on the website at work and watch a video at lunch and go home, you know, maybe listen to a podcast on the way home and then read Business Week magazine at night when you're kind of leaning back. So we, we, we think it's a, a great way to surround the business and financial target audience in its entirety across the entire globe. So that's, that's what's interesting about Bloomberg Media is that it's, it's five, six platforms. It, we used to say five, but we've added a six one, which is a social platform in TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we surround this audience with six platforms simultaneously all across the day, 24-7, 365 days a week. And we do this all around the world, um, literally in every part of the world. I mean, there, there are few countries and few markets where we don't have a presence. We even have Bloomberg TV in Mongolia, mm-hmm. if you can imagine, um, and 13 local language ventures and a whole slew of local language editions of Business Week. So it's, it's, a, it's a multi-platform global uh, uh, footprint that is that is quite remarkable and I think quite distinctive and unique in, in media as a whole, but particularly in business media. So that's the upside. <clears throat> that's the, the upside is it, you you also have a presence in sectors that are in um, in decline. Just the sector, not necessarily absolutely your play in it, but um, uh, well, those. Areas. Well, the overall sector that that we play in that we're in decline is the media sector. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is uh, it was it's in dec- it's it, it's in partial decline. Or Not at least all it's, parts. It's, it's, it's in it's in dis- 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 disrupted state. Um, but I think what you're what you're getting at is accurate, which is because we have these six different platforms. Um, inevitably, the the platforms that existed that the original platforms that we had, which which came out of radio originally, then television, mm-hmm. and then print, you know, those are the platforms that have you know are facing the the battering winds of of disruption right. and decline in a way that that other the other platforms have not. And so, um, obviously, digital 
uh, is is our largest platform now, and that's been an achievement of the last couple of years, um, where we've become a very significantly majority digital media company and digital described as sort of you know web and app and mm-hmm. uh, and other forms. I'm not talking about distributed uh, web at this point. I'm just talking about our owned and operated site um, uh, properties. We have uh, Bloomberg.com does around 55 million unique users a month around the world direct to the site and about the same amount um, off platform. So it's about 100 million, 110 million strong global audience on the web, which which makes it our, our very much our largest platform. But getting back to your point about our performance, um, what's been particularly heartening about this year uh, and looking at the numbers is that despite the fact that, you know, let's say, you know, half, three out of the six platforms that we operate in, um, those being radio, television, and print are on the kind of traditional side and facing much steeper mm-hmm. uh, consumer and business and commercial decline realities. Um, we also have three platforms in the new media world in our digital platform, uh, obviously that I just mentioned, uh, and our uh, new social platform, social video platform called TikTok. And thirdly, and this is what's I always crack up when I add in this platform into the modern new fast-growing platforms, our events platform, which is, right. of course, the oldest form of media, but actually, you know, I would argue today, maybe the fastest plat-growing form of media, maybe even faster than, than video like the and social. For, oldest form of media, yeah. I mean, the Greeks <laughs> were just basically putting on events regularly. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And, uh, and just to see the demand for events, uh, I think, has just been, been remarkable. I know Digiday's... I hope it, I I hope it continues. <laughs> Every day, I hope it continues. I know. Um, but you're expecting double-digit revenue growth yes and double digit the, the inside the new joke 50 the inside joke uh, that we talked about before we went live was double digit means like 10.8 percent <laughs> yeah usually <laughs> if it's like nearly 20 percent, i assume it's like 15.1 or more likely 13.6 yeah no i i think what's what we're 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 projecting this year is between 15 and 20 percent growth and probably at the higher end of that depending on how the fourth quarter pans out but our pacing would indicate that and i think um, Where's that I, I, coming from? I mean, display is still an extremely challenged. It's been commoditized. Um, obviously, you're doing a ton more in video. Well, I mean, w- I guess what I would say just to kind of to punctuate the growth is because I know there's a lot of numbers thrown around and everyone's sort of selling their book, so to speak. But um, you know that that fifteen twenty percent growth that we're that we're looking at realizing is uh, incorporates obviously you know the natural declines and pressures that we're seeing in our traditional platforms and so um, it's actually a kind of a, a much larger growth story if you if you if you take those out what we did um, I think about two two I mean, basically since I've been at Bloomberg um, we've built this remarkable uh, team of people from inside and outside Bloomberg and you know, our first step was to digitize the business regressively um, which we've done. Our second step was to really globalize the business really aggressively, which we've done. And, and that took, that was during the first couple of years of, of our, of our, of our time there. And then the last two years, um, have been very intentional efforts at, um, at, at inventing our way forward into high growth, scalable markets. I mean, I think so. We we basically so you can't just constantly play in defense. I mean, we talked we talked about this. We've talked about, about this before. A lot of media, particularly when you have challenged assets, you're going to inevitably 
all your meetings, all your focus, all your time is going to be shoring up those assets that are that are under challenge. Not only that, but the other way of thinking about it, which I think we, we've talked about too, but which I think is really interesting, is that you know, everyone has talked about diversification of revenue streams mm. as the key to finding a sustainable business model. So everyone goes all the way down the line from you know their traditional sources to digital to you know subscriptions to events to e-commerce to you know and they're looking for everything they possibly can but yet one of the greatest forms of revenue diversification is actually the creation of a new business that is in the jet stream of consumer behavior and the jet stream of commercial interest mm-hmm. right and so it's actually it's it's um it's not it's not cutting up your existing business into new revenue streams it's inventing a new adjacent business that is actually that is that is has deep connections to the core business that leverages your brand strength that leverages your talent your capabilities your audiences your monetization abilities but actually is a different business um and and that's something like tiktok and tiktok is a perfect example yeah. of that so but why is tiktok not just bloomberg tv as expressed in a platform world well, because Bloomberg TV, you know, has its own expression in a platform world, which it has a very strong social presence in itself. But when we designed TikTok, we didn't call it Bloomberg TV on social. We called it TikTok by Bloomberg because it was an entirely different product proposition with an entirely different target audience um, sort of uh, notion or idea or strategy. Um, the t- The idea behind TikTok was that uh, in the world of social media and Twitter in particular, which had become, you know, you know rapidly become what I call the largest news organization on the planet, um, there was not necessarily a, a kind of a filter or a curator of high quality video news on what is ostensibly the largest news platform on the planet. Um, you were getting, you know, some snippets from traditional players that actually weren't allowed to because of their traditional models to really go 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 deep onto Twitter. You're getting all sorts of, you know, lowest common denominator, bottom feeder content that we all know, which is just clickbait that is not really, uh, you know, necessarily useful for the target audiences we care we care about. And so we're not doing the weird product demo videos on TikTok. No, not no, not, not in our plans, and and so and we felt that there's this, there is a, you know, we believe strongly there's a, there's a next generation of professionals, of business people, not just finance people, actually broad, more broadly defined business people, who um, are getting their news on Twitter and who mm-hmm. are getting their news on social platforms, but who are not actually being served quality, independent, uh, intelligent. Uh, it, unbiased as much as we possibly can can sort of can can can, can structure it um uh, but very native mm-hmm. short form to the platform type of content and so so we, we created tiktok in order to to meet that consumer demand which we thought was very very strong and it leveraged the fact that we had a global television operation uh, we have bureaus in 150 plus countries we have in each of those bureaus we've got studios we've got yeah, cameras using we've got, the infrastructure yes, and so have. and so that's a and that's a that's a i think strategically i think a, a really relevant thing that yeah. um it's hard to launch a global tele a global video news network of right. high quality and how, do, how does how does one do it on social media well mm-hmm. you um in our case bloomberg is one of the few organizations on the planet that could do it because of our existing assets and our existing footprint so it's racked up big numbers of views but a lot of people have racked up big numbers of views before is it profitable operation 
it is, uh, it was, it, it will be profitable in its first, in, in, in actually in its first year, um, really? which is uh, something we've not really talked about before. Um, but uh, because I think one, the advertising demand uh, has been tremendous. Um, I think that the proposition of reaching this really, really mm-hmm. attractive demographic of rising millennials. In, in, in a social media environment. And that's not just launch advertising. I mean, you can get launch advertisers, but then like the renewal is is. Of course, no, you you're, you know all the tricks. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that I mean, the launch advertising was uh, was was part of it, but we've been actually selling you know the equivalent of spot advertising okay. on TikTok for for a long time now. So, um, you know, but it it, it it also we've talked about this before. You know the. Um, the partnership with Twitter has been has been remarkable because I mean um, I, we we've found that in publishers' dealings with platforms, you know, getting in line and taking a number and being stuck into the kind of the 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 the, the kind of the the, the pre designed kind of box uh, of or cookie cutter box of here's the deal that I'm going to give you, which I've given to five thousand other publishers, yeah. uh, is not really hasn't really worked for us and is not a way to make money or to be able to invest in a new media business. Um, what Twitter allowed us to do, which is why we've called Twitter sort of the, the, the best platform partner that we've worked with, is that they've actually uh, worked with us in a customized way to allow it both on the product side and on the commercial side, including the commercial terms, to allow us to actually design a business model that exists on a social platform that is derivative of high quality journalistic content from a publisher like ourselves that actually can make sense financially. And so we've you know, we, we hired, um, I think, more than 60 journalists mm-hmm. just to staff TikTok in, in New York, Hong Kong, and London. Um, you know, there aren't many organizations in the media business in 2018 that hired 60 journalists. And there are very few few organizations that have hired 60 journalists on the back of a deal with a platform. Right. You know, and so this is, you know, when I uh, whenever I get the occasion to talk to some of the, the bigwigs over at the, the lar- even the larger platforms, I say, like, these are the sort of things that you should be talking to media about. Actually work with us on, on how we can create high-quality journalism on your platforms with business models that can sustain themselves, that can allow us to invest in them, and that would have a great... That'll have a great effect on... That sounds oh. sensible. <laughs> see if anyone from Facebook is listening. We'll be right back after this quick break. 80% of NPR podcast listeners hold a more positive opinion of the brands that support NPR. That's connection at scale. To learn more about sponsorship opportunities across NPR platforms, visit npr.org slash four brands. Now back to the episode. The other thing that you've done this year that's a pretty big deal is uh, move into subscriptions. Now, we had talked before, and you were a little s- skeptical about subscriptions in a lot of uh, areas. Um, was this being done because of the challenges that uh, the display world, advertising world is facing? No. I mean, listen, I think TikTok, um, our subscription business, uh, our new uh, event um sort of signature event brand called the mm-hmm. New Economy Platform, uh, uh, New Economy Forum, which I'll talk about, mm-hmm. and our new commercial model. All of these four things, these are four major innovations, I would argue, that we've rolled out this year. All of them were designed in the, you know 24 months ago uh, in anticipation of a decline in digital advertising revenues, particularly, you know, traditional display digital advertising. I mean, so I think we saw the writing on the wall. Um, We could no longer count on digital advertising to kind of bail us out every year, you know, especially with the declining traditional, traditional platforms. Mm -hmm. And 
that had been the game that had been the gameplay you know, that was uh, for for many publishers for a long time. Two years ago, we didn't like the way the numbers were looking, or we didn't we did we certainly didn't like the strength of the platforms in the space. And so we began thinking, okay, well, how are we going to build new businesses that actually can make us much less reliant on digital advertising? And so uh, you know, TikTok came out of this a, a video social. Uh, global sort of news platform. Um, the subscription business came out of this because, uh, you know, I think two, a, cu- a couple of things happened. One, I mean, it's very clear the last five years, maybe even more, that consumer behavior on around subscription payment for quality content mm-hmm. has shifted. Um, what I've said to you in the past is, you know, it's a misnomer that that subscriptions are a kind of a, an all-around all success story for media, they are, or for digital media, they're not. I think, it's, I think it's, it's the rare exception of the company that can pull this off. So but why can, why why can, can we, Bloomberg? But Bloomberg can, um, either, I, think, I think that there, there are sort of two categories of publishers that can pull off subscription models. You know, um, one is the, the, the very, very outlier, super premium quality brand um the new york times comes to mind mm-hmm. as a sort of the, the example of this that we're it's sort of the, the newspaper of record and the and the and the quality and the depth of the journalism is so strong that it is you know a kind of a must read for for those reasons i think the washington post falls in that category as well um beyond it, it trails off very quickly in the general interest newspaper space after that you don't see a lot of examples of other uh su- 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 successful subscription models in general interest but where you see a whole slew of, of opportunity, and, and Digiday, I think, mm-hmm. knows this probably yourselves with some of your experiments, is that when you move into the professional space, into the B2B space, and whether it's prosumer, um, like the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times or The Economist, which have all transitioned very healthily from print to digital subscriptions, um, and Bloomberg is exactly in that category. So that's in the prosumer category. I mean, how many of these people paying you are using corporate credit cards? We think most, you know, okay. um, we think most. And I think, you know, we, we looked at the, you know, the Wall Street Journal, uh, the Economist and the Financial Times um, subscription market. It's hard to kind of to, to, to delink print subscriptions from digital subscriptions just from the outside numbers. But um, you know, generally speaking, the total subs, consumer subs market between three of our most direct competitive brands is $1.5 billion, right? So here we were, Bloomberg... Um, and Bloomberg.com producing, you know, arguably uh, uh, m- more content mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis because of the scale of our newsroom. Even though we don't, we limit a big portion of our content just the terminal. Even the, the portion that we put on the web is still greater than all all of our competitors in the business space. And of course, the quality of our content is phenomenal, and it's it serves a professional. Mm-hmm need which people need it for their work people need it to do their jobs and so as you say the corporate credit card is usually used and that is a is a much more successful strategy does that change the calculus with the terminal and that i mean i feel like bloomberg was always about subscriptions but the subscription was just a really really high priced one um and that's why you know all of a sudden you, you saw all the things you, you see at first on on the terminal um so it seems like there's like two levels. There's the level of, okay, if you want to consume, you know, ten or eleven stories a month, you got to pay to this level. But if you if you need this to make, you know, quick hair triggered hair trigger decisions um, on commodities, you get like 
you need to you need to pay for a terminal. Yeah. Well, I think the first point is that we, you know, the the, the news that appears on bloomberg.com from Bloomberg is a fraction of the news that Bloomberg right. news creates and puts onto the terminal. It's also a different type of news. Um, the news that we put on on the website, which we charge for with a, with actually currently a 10 article meter over mm-hmm. a 30 day period. Um, that news is also more of the general business news. Um, more, it's less the extremely narrow financial market moving content, which we segment for the terminal audience. Last thing I would say is that you know news, while a critical pillar of the terminal sort of uh, uh, subscriber experience, is one of several pillars. Um, the you know, the genius of the terminal is how it intermingles news, data, right. analytics. Um, you know, different types of tools, uh, monitoring tools, uh, that, and, and actually, and, 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 tr- and trading to... tools. And frankly, so it's sort of, it's the combination of those different capabilities, uh, with news mm-hmm. injected in the middle, much of which is original, uh, is, is what makes it different. Okay. So I want to get into the, the new economy forum. Um, this is coming up. It seems like it's like the, the Bloomberg, uh, replacement to Davos, the, I was going through the list of some of the early uh, speakers. It was, you know, the MasterCard CEO and and people who are royalty. Uh, is that what this is about? Well, I mean, because this is a challenge time for for globalization, uh, to put it mildly. I mean, all across the world, I think a lot of the promises of um, of a globalized world are being questioned by the by a large segment of society, not the people at the very top. They still love it. Yeah. Because they got all the rewards. Well, but there's, the mob is knocking at the door, and so they don't love that. No. Um, <laughs> but, no, listen, the, the New Economy Forum is a project that actually we've been working on for almost four years, um, and almost since, since, since uh, yeah, for four years. And it's, an interesting idea. I mean, I always say that the you know the events business is int- is is funny because when you think about it, you immediately the knee jerk almost like the colloquial joke is the events business is so crowded. Everyone could go to an event every day. They yeah. could go to an event twice a day. They go to breakfast, a lunch, a dinner. They could you know, and it's the most crowded crowded event uh, business in the world. I've always sort of looked at it differently and said you know it's really crowded, but it's really crowded with like a lot of commoditized stuff you know it's all everything's the same how many cio summits and this and that or whatever and so uh, you know since even the the times when um uh when when uh when when i was at the atlantic and we worked hard on the aspen ideas festival which which became a very important thing you know i think that the you know breakthrough original purposeful large event platforms that can that do something that can do something for the world in a very different way and, and play a role in society. Actually, I think there's it's not a crowded market. Um, and in the in- instance of the New Economy Forum, uh, you know, we the insight was very simple, which is that in 2018, if you want to go and learn about the future of the global economy, you, know, you probably are. Um, you know, it's your prob- it's probably doesn't make a huge amount of sense to to go to the to the to the Alps in Switzerland in January when the so much of the global economy and, mm-hmm. and all of the future of the global economy to a large extent is actually uh, happening in a very different part of the world. Um, if you just look at the trends, 
you know, we, we, we define the new economy countries as sort of in China and India and the Middle East and Latin America and uh, Africa. It's sort of the East and the South. And if you look at all the trends in terms of future GDP growth globally, um, the numbers are staggering. Like the, between now and 2050, something like 90% of future GDP growth will come from these countries. Um, something like 110% of future demographic mm-hmm. growth will come from these countries. In fact, you, Western Europe and America are declining demographically. In, you know, Africa is going to go from 1 billion to 2 billion. Asia is going to go from 4 billion to 5 billion. And so you just have these you know, inexorable trends that are shifting. And you've seen it. And obviously, mm-hmm. the recent American politics have sort of have kind of uh, accelerated the sort of the shift with America pulling back and putting up protectionist walls mm-hmm. and China, you know, st- stepping up right. into the global stage and saying we are going to be the, you know, the protectors of globalization. But, but what are the pillars of it? Because I think if you look at the Davos, broadly, the Western world has been about liberalism and that is is both, you know, liberal democracy and freedom and then also with that liberalism in, in economy and trade. And all these things are being called into question. I mean, China has a completely different model that they're using and a lot of people are looking to that and be like, hey, maybe we like the liberalism when it comes to a lot of the capitalist stuff, but we don't like it when it comes yeah. um, to politics. Well, this is, I mean, you put your, you put your, um, your your finger on it. I mean, the we are at a historic moment of transition, right? It's where um, between 1945 and arguably some say 2008 with the financial crash, some, some will say 2016 mm-hmm. with the election of Trump. It's sort of that was the era of the America-led global democratic liberal Western uh, order. Um, what is emerging post 2016 or post 2008, depending on how you look at it, is a a new competitive system that is emerging, a new global order is emerging that is actually built around China and some of the countries I mentioned, which, you know, that have a whole set of different values. Now, the question is, is will, you know, will we be able to kind of come together east, west, north and south and actually avoid the creation of two competitive systems and avoid the, um, the, the 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 growth of protectionism and the and the decl- the raising of trade barriers because ultimately the Chinese know and I think most economists uh, you know mainstream economists would say that global trade has been an in- incredible boon to the livelihoods of people around the world mm-hmm. um, it's certainly been the, the reason on a for whole. China on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a whole I mean yeah. there's there's certainly on a whole in, in aggregate obviously there you know the huge question we're facing now is that there are winners and looter, losers in the system particularly in the more advanced um, in the advanced economies of the of the West um, but one of the main themes and one of the main sort of founding ideas behind what we're doing with the new economy forum is actually Mike Bloomberg bringing global business leaders together and global government leaders together to actually create dialogue, to create connections, and to create connectivity so that the world doesn't Mm -hmm. actually devolve into a multi-system, competitive, uh, multi-standard environment where trade goes out the window, where uh, and and all the sort of the the the, the ills and the in the and the negative consequences of two competing mm-hmm. systems take place. Right. Let's take a quick break here. 
Like every week, this is where I give you my friendly reminder to subscribe to Digiday Plus. That is our membership program. With Digiday Plus, you get access to exclusive content. Each day we have pieces that are only available to members. And we also are doing exclusive research on industry trends. And you also get exclusive invites to our member events. We are doing a live podcast on October 17th with Jim Egan, the CEO of BBC. And if you're not in New York City, you get early access to that episode and all of our podcast episodes. So don't miss out. Visit Digiday.com and you'll see the Digiday Plus tab in the menu bar. Digiday Plus membership is $395 a year. But if you use podcast at checkout, you will get 20% off. Please check it out. So final thing is you, you, you mentioned Mike Bloomberg, your boss. There's a lot of talk of him running again. I remember asking you about this before. Um, so... I, I don't think you, you're going to announce his candidacy here, uh, but you can on the Digiday podcast. But um, it kind of must scare you at some point. Like what happens? We have Donald Trump, who is president. Right. And we had we see, you know, the Trump name is everywhere. I mean, the Bloomberg name is is everywhere. It would be a nightmare scenario for you to operate a media company with President Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Regardless of whether you think you'd be a fantastic president. The genius of Mike Bloomberg is that he he straddles so many different worlds, and um, you know he and has done for many years. Uh, you know, obviously the world of politics, the world of business slash media, the world of philanthropy, um, and he's just in a very very unique position. Um, and uh, you know, it's but you know, to a large extent, you know, what he obviously chooses to do with his with his political ambitions is is a very separate thing from. The, the charge that we have every day at Bloomberg Media. It would um, get intermingled. If he uh, runs, it's gonna, it will get, I think your your life would get a lot messier. Well, you know, I mean, messy, it, yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I won't comment other than um, uh, acknowledge that uh, it'll be, that'd be sort of a, an unprecedented thing and, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But the, the New Economy Forum, I mean, it, it is a it is a Bloomberg initiative. It's not like the Clinton Foundation. No, no. it's a Bloomberg Media Initiative. Um, we have eleven founding partners, eleven corporations, and their CEOs who are sort of have teamed up with us and with Mike. They come from different geographies, different industries. We're all we, originally we were all going to Beijing. I'm not sure if you read the news, but um, because of you know some of the complications in the U.S. China relationship, we. Uh, decided to relocate the inaugural New Economy Forum to Singapore. It's November 6th and 7th, uh, 2018. And, but we just have the most tremendous group of people coming. Um, and uh, it's, it re really represents the creme de la creme of global business leaders, but global business leaders that are largely from these new emerging economies. So the top okay. uh, business leaders from Nigeria, the top leaders from South Africa, the top business leaders from Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Pakistan and India and China. And sure, we will have a very big contingent from the U.S. and from mm -hmm. Europe, which are important. But we're trying to structure something which is very different than yeah. Davos. So and Davos is the old world. On, this is the new world. It's a new community. And uh, the new community has this new community of this new global economic system does not have its own convening platform the way the old order had Davos. And so we are very much looking forward to, to taking a stab at creating that. Okay, final thing, because I know we're over time. But uh, you usually do like a monthly or yearly memo, which I always enjoy. Um, 
it, we're getting towards the end of the year, believe it or not. I mean, it's it's already getting colder. Uh, you, you usually you review the year, but then you talk about big bets. Give me like one big bet um, for 2019. I think the big bet for 2019 is not making any more bets when you've got so many bets on the table. And okay, focusing so and focusing on the four big bets that we've made. We've made we've made four very very significant bets. I didn't get to the commercial model, which right. is the transformation of our whole um, advertising sales operation. Keith into, and I talked about it in yeah, detail. Good, good. On this so you know podcast. about that. But yes. um, but actually, I think I think honestly, 2019 is we've had such success with these. You know, there's huge execution risk when you're doing four big new things that involve new people, transformation, creation, mm-hmm. invention. I mean. It's a high wire act, as everyone who yeah. l- lit, reads Digiday will know. And I think what's what's important is to know when to when to stop yep. and batten down the hatches and focus on so the things. So 2019 is the year of executing. I mean, you're still executing, 19, but it's yeah, like 18 it's, is executing, and 19 is is building on the success. And yeah. you know, hopefully, all four will work wonderfully. Um, but we'll be monitoring them. I think we will definitely not be able to last another year. Uh, uh, in, without inventing new things. I think, you know, you, the cycle is so rapid. So I think look to us in the second half of 19, at probably introducing a whole range of new things, uh, new initiatives that have sim- similar flavor in terms of big, scalable, innovative growth ideas that jump into adjacent markets where there is exciting growth. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I talked about this before. You just can't whine about media disruption. You've got to you got to join it. Got to get on with it. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Aditi Sangal. Tell us what you think. Uh, Tweet at me. Email me. Hit me up on LinkedIn. If you did like this show, you can also head to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast uh, and give us a rating and leave a review. This helps our podcast be discovered untold. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.